Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome to the Title Boxing Club Trainer Podcast number five. Uh, we appreciate everybody hopping on today. I have, as always, with me uh, Tate Wheeler, Sam Heaps, and Kenny Greer. Guys, how you doing today? Good, good, good. good. That wasn't very enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm always good, but I'll get better. Hey, guys, we, we normally do this on a Wednesday, and now it's a Friday. So, hey, it's been a good week, been a long week, and uh, I know everybody out there has probably been through the same stuff. But, uh, you know, again, you know, last week on our podcast, on, on number four, we really started talking about, you know, the, the, the meat and potatoes, if you will, of, of our workout, which is the rounds, right? That's why people are coming to title boxing club. They want a box, right? And that's our, you know, biggest differentiator. So we talked about rounds one through four. Talked about, you know, how do you build from there, right? After the warm-up, people are ready. They're not ruined. Then we start getting into the class, and, and how do you really build your rounds? Well, due to some time constraints and stuff, we wanted to make sure that this is uh, these podcasts, you know, they make sense to you. They capture your attention. They're not too long. But there was really some things we needed to focus on that we're going to do today. Now, today we're going to talk about rounds five through eight, right? Now, Rounds five through eight, this is when you look at, a, a let's say, a, a curve or the bell curve to how the class goes, the middle rounds is when you should be getting the most output out of your members. They're warmed up, their shoulders, everything. They've been boxing for a little bit. They got some combos down, and now you're just you're, – we're grinding, right? This is, the, this is when fights are won and lost, and you go through the championship rounds. Now, something that you all may have heard of before is words, and we teach us in boxology, fight, fit, and skill. So I'm going to bring this to the table right now, and then I'm going to kick this over to Kenny, Sam, and Tate for their feedback on this. But when we talk about boxology, and when we talk about the mentality of how you think about the workout, right, this is a fitness workout. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be real, right? So there has to be a fitness component, which is what we call fit, to each round. There also needs to be uh, a skill component to each round. It's boxing, right? There is specific skills that when you watch a fighter, they do that maybe sometimes we're on a heavy bag and we're a little tired and we're feeling a little lazy. We may not complete that to the fullest extent of what it should be done. So there's always a skill component that happens within each round. And then there's a fight component or a motivational side to it, right? You are in a fight, regardless of what you think, if it's you versus the bag, if it's you trying to compete against your, your husband or wife or your friend, or you're just in there just beating the crap out of it because you're stressed out, that mo you need motivation, right? Remember, fitness is it's crap. It, it doesn't, you don't need to go somewhere to work out, right? You just don't. But it's motivation and accountability, the motivation aspect behind that. Don't ever forget, right, the reason fitness exists is for motivation and accountability. Anybody who's ever went to a gym and left their headphones at home understands what I'm talking about, right? So as an example of this, anybody out there, if I walk up to any trainer and you thought about your class and you created your class the right way, I should be able to ask you around and say, hey, what's the fitness component of this round? What are you trying to get? What are you trying to get out of your member? You could say something like, hey, uh, it's a burnout round. I'm really working on endurance and you know, you know, they're breathing. Great, that's awesome. It's a great fitness component to it. What's the skill component then you're trying to get across? 
well, I'm going to focus on people elongating their arms, staying a proper distance from the bag. I'm going to make sure they're not squared up, that they are still at an angle. Awesome. So I know you're focused on that. So what's the fight component? How are you going to motivate people to get through this? I'm going to make sure I circle the bag stand. I'm, you know, I'm going to every 10 seconds, you know, after 30 seconds, I'm going to, you know, pump it up and make them go harder. I'm just going to drive them. My point is if you can't answer those questions when one of us asks you, you need to go back and rethink your workout, right? Because if you're doing those three things, there's a fitness component, there's a skill component, and there's a motivation or a fight component behind every aspect of the round, just imagine what your members are going to get out of it. Even if you're doing the same thing you're doing today and you've got a great class, but you start focusing more on each one of those segments within the rounds, your members are going to notice. So with that being said, um, I got a question for Tate. All right. And I'm going to turn this over to Tate right now. Um, you know, Kenny and, and Sam, if you guys have any input on any of this stuff too, uh, please feel free to hop in. But Tate, for you, let's talk about motivation. That, that you, You're one of the guys where if I go to your class, I don't want, I like, if I don't go hard, I feel like I let you down and I want to show up the next day just to prove to you that I'm better than what I was. Right. So, what do rounds five through eight as a trainer look like for you in terms of the word fight or the motivation? Absolutely. Uh, and I love how you frame that because I want to, I want to give the members the same effort that they're giving me. So how I frame motivation in those last four rounds is I believe my mentality there is we must become what we wish to teach we must become what we wish to teach. So me, I want to motivate them. I want them to feel like they can punch through a wall if I asked them to. And, and so we're, how I always frame, not always, I'll, I'll switch it up each class, but I want them to feel like they can give a little bit more. I'm going to push them just out of that comfort zone. And I'll say things like, you know, we need to find a way to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Anyone that has gone through an eight round class with us knows that it's a fight a 12 round class they know it's a fight it's a grind and i'll i'll talk to them about their goals i'll say the you know the bigger the dream the harder the grind the bigger the goals the harder the grind and that's where i'll get to members each class and i think from for me and what i've seen some of the best trainers in the country do is they know their members and they can call them out by name they get to their bag they hold that bag for them each round and as as you pick up the intensity in rounds five and six I'm, I'm usually, I've already framed the workout in rounds one through four. So round five, six, seven, and eight, I'm just building upon what I did rounds one through four so that I know I can amplify the motivation when their body's starting to let them down. And, you know, something, you know, that I'll say commonly in class, and I, I, I'm sure most people have heard the quote, your body will achieve what your mind believes. Speaking belief into them to really push through every single one of those burnouts in round five and six, and then in seven and eight, I'm just going to amplify that intensity so that they know they're going to leave it all on the bag. Whatever stress they have from the day, you versus the bag, it could just be you versus yourself. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. I'm going to hit on different pain points to make them feel like, hey, when I leave Title Boxing Club, I feel like I can get through anything. And we are that motivation for them. That's our, I feel like this part of the, the motivation part of class is what separates us from all of the competition because it is a grind, it is a fight. And man, the, the relief and the empowerment you feel after you complete that eighth round and you know, raise your hands up is, is special. It's like the secret sauce. It's that, that push that you get from the trainer, that motivation, that accountability, that takes us to the next level. Dig deep, finish strong. That's how I try to motivate through rounds five, six, seven, and eight. 
You know, it's, it's funny when you talk about motivation, and I, and I hope everybody, you know, understands this, is that, you know, in, in boxing, people may switch who their trainer is or their coach, right? They may be with Freddie Roach, and they may go to somebody else, but each trainer provides a little different thing for them. So we all know Muhammad Ali. It's funny because Angelo Dundee found a way to motivate Muhammad to – get to a point where he felt like there was nobody that could beat him, right? I remember an interview when I was watching him, and he's like, he's up there, and you could see it come through. He's like, listen, I'm the champion of the world. Did you hear what I said? The world. Not the USA, not Mexico, the world, right? And he felt that, truly. He felt like there was nobody on the – he was the baddest man on the planet because his trainers, his staff, his coach around him just made him, and they motivated him to that. Right. So something Tate said, which is very important. If you know all your members and their stories and who they are, you should be able to know how to motivate them individually. And that's the key to a phenomenal trainer in my mind or a phenomenal coach is they know how to individually train people. Just like in in sales and management of people, we say the only consistency in management of people is inconsistency. It's because everybody's motivated differently. It's the same thing here. But what we want to get in your head are thinking of ways of how to motivate your class, moving around the bag stand, walking up, holding on to someone's bag, getting 10-second countdowns just randomly and pushing everybody up to over 100% of what they could go and bringing them back down. How do you motivate that? So, you know, when you hear the passion come through in Tate, that's what he does. It, it, every class, he's thinking about the fight aspect to that. So. We're going to come back and touch on this at the end again and open it up for, for Kenny and, and Sam as well to talk a little bit more on this. But I do want to flip things over to Sam real quick because, again, there's a fight component, there's a fitness, and a skill component. So, so Sam, I want to throw this at you um, because in your classes, I just feel like I'm going and I'm not stopping. I it, like, seriously, I, it, it, there isn't a point for me to stop. Like, I've been in classes where I'm going, and the next thing I know, someone's calling out a combo, and I'm standing there just looking, and I look around the class, and there's, like, there's a point where nobody's doing anything. And I, I don't get that when, when I take your classes. So what I want to ask you is, you know, the fit side. What does fit mean in rounds five through eight for you and in, 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 in pacing and setting the goal? Like, what does that mean? Yep. So – so yeah, so my, my whole theory is is that I don't want a member to walk out of my club saying that they get a better workout elsewhere. So so for me, you're right. I I, I really emphasize our trainers to really push the pace and, and to know that they're getting the best workout in the, in our market, um, in our club. So so that that's that's for the for the fit side. That really plays into the overall pace, the intensity, you know, the upbeat tempo. Um, the the high intensity interval training style of the authentic boxing kickboxing workout so um you know at rounds five through eight we're in that we're in that you know hierarchy of the class where we can really just let loose and go all out because they're warmed up those first couple rounds so um so now we can really just kind of throw throw everything at them in a sense so you know whether whether it's the the the, the burnouts or, or top-notch fast pace or or now they can hit the bag with more power generally the spot rounds five through eight i'm really unleashing a lot of power combos um my reaction drills will have a little bit more emphasis on just on harder power shots things like that so um so when it comes to those rounds five through eight and, and the fit side of training you know it's it's 
and now that they're warmed up, they can hit harder. So we're activating so many muscle groups with the shoulders, the arms, the core, you know, so they're really getting a great, you know, a muscular workout. They're also getting all that cardio, the endurance cardio, because here we are in rounds five through eight. We're getting late in the bell to bell rounds. They got to keep their, their endurance going, but also has that anaerobic burst cardio because I'm, I'm coming after them in that round, those late rounds, because they're about to be, you know, only four rounds left. We got to push the pace. So, um, so yeah, some ways to do that would be, you know, limiting downtime as best as we can. Uh, if it takes 20 seconds to explain a combo and everybody's standing around watching for 20 seconds, like you mentioned, you know, you do that uh, three times around, they're standing around for eight to 10 minutes of class. And, and that's, that's, not, that's not ideal. We want to limit that downtime um, as best we can to, to just a few seconds. And then, um, uh, you know, have an urgency in your voice. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. So um, they're going to only work as hard as your voice motivates them to. Um, and, and so, so that, that's really where the, the fit comes in is where, because they're working the pace so fast and, and hard on the bag that they're getting such a great fitness result. Um, and then, and then that, that, that burnout at the end of each round is just, is just that, that high intensity interval style. Like I mentioned for me, those burnouts, they, they gotta be, their, their hearts need to be racing. They need to be coming at that bag full bore, hundred miles an hour with, with whatever type of uh, reaction drill or burnout that I'm calling out for that last 20, 30 seconds. Um, to me, that delivers the, the best fitness side of the, of the workout for when, when we're talking about the bell to bell portion of the class is that overall pace intensity um, and, and cardio tempo really. Yeah. And, and I love that because you talked about a couple things is that for one, you know, Again, guys, think about boxology. Remember, again, it's how do you think about this workout and this training session that people are going through. So I've seen people out there that can just, as fast as they go, smash the bag with jab crosses. It's hard and fast as they can go, right? And like they don't even really look like they're getting a great workout. They're not hardly sweating, but they are just crushing it, right? Because their body's used to that endurance style thing. But then have you ever had people and slowed them down and just had them rip on the bag, left hook, right, lead hook, rip on the bag, rear hook, rip on the bag. After 45 seconds, their lungs feel like they're bleeding. They're like, they can hardly breathe. They're not even staying for the, the, the active rest. But my point is that's a different fitness aspect to it, right? So thinking about this, watching your classes, taking into account what Sam says, depending on what you're trying to achieve during that round, is it endurance? Is it power? Is it, you know, um, getting the heart rate up, bringing the heart rate down? W whatever you're focused on, you know, like Sam says, there's cues and things you can do, um, you know, to change your, your, your workout just so slightly, right? And, and again, what we're talking about are not major changes, right? If you are taking breaks all the time, say, hey guys, all eyes on me, all eyes on me. And then you look around and you notice that your class is just standing with absolutely nothing to do looking at you. Next time, like Sam says, try to focus on, you know, keeping people moving the whole time and just watch the difference in your class, right? That's how powerful what he's talking about can really truly be. Um, and, and again, we're going to come back and talk about these things with, with everybody's, you know, kind of uh, insight into it. But I want to kick this one to Kenny because we're going to talk about skill 
and what skill truly means from rounds five to eight. Because Tenny's got one of the classes that I go through, and man, I've been boxing my whole life, and I still get lazy. We all do, right? You know, I can always tell when somebody's tired because they just start throwing uppercuts, <laughs> no matter what the combo is. And the thing is, even if I'm doing that, Kenny's the type of person in class who'll come over and be like, dude, those are, well, why are your elbows going behind your back? That should never happen. What the hell's wrong with you, right? And like calling me out to be like, okay, dude, get, get back up there. Focus on the skill. What am I doing, right? Because no matter how tired you are, a fight is won when you're tired because everybody's going to tire out. Anybody's watched a boxing match, an MMA match, and all of a sudden the guy tires out. He's the better fighter, but he gets beat, right? It's because the guy, did, he, he just tired out and forgot about skill and everything else that goes into it. So, you know, Kenny, talk to us a little bit about, you know, how it, skill inter, intertwines with, you know, the components of the first four rounds, and it just carries through every single round. And, you know, I know you can go really deep as a trainer, but, you know, what does that look like for you? Uh, yeah, look, nowadays, right, seven years later, we're talking about seeing a lot of people, taking a lot of classes, doing a lot of uh, things, and, and really, we're still working with the same five or six punches, and over the years, I thought, from an engagement standpoint, you know, I could only throw so many combos, and I, I think we had that feedback from some few of you guys out there that emailed us saying, you know, okay, well, what, what do you actually do? What are the combos that you do? Like, give us the new secret combos that no one knows about. And I, I still haven't found one, guys. Like, it's the same combos over and over if you want to think about it that way. But what I personally love to do nowadays, you know, we've gone through the warm-up, lots of shadow boxing, constantly assessing the class and the people who are in it and the skill level that's there. And, you know, rounds one through four, for me personally, I love to bring in a lot of the skill aspect into the class. And, and I'm really focusing on a specific thing within the skill, right? So throwing jab, cross, hook, for instance, that you've thrown a thousand times, you know, and caring about where your body weight is shifting, caring about not leaning over, caring about being able to pull that hook back and sit that weight onto your rear leg and really creating a lot of power, you know, in rounds one through four, we're kind of constantly teaching that skill. You know, maybe it's a little slower in some of the rounds to really get that powerful snap. And then rounds five through eight, a lot of times in my classes are like the application of everything you just learned over the past half an hour. And this extends, by the way, like, you know, we have four, four round, 30 minutes, you know, 12 round, like the mentality here is still the same. Like you're getting into the harder round. We should be less, uh, talking about how to do things and now really applying the skills throughout the class. And that's really where five, six, seven, and eight come through with me. It's quicker call outs. It's repetitive, powerful movements. It's the cognizant that there's fit fighting skill in every round. And it's knowing which one I'm applying at every second of these rounds. Um, you know, and so for instance, if I'm, you know, worked on distance, for instance, in the beginning of the class, you know, how far away you are from the bag and how to move forward with a jab. We kind of referenced that a couple of weeks ago, you know, and actually Tate and I both went and ran classes that had to do with closing distance with a strong jab. I would teach that throughout the next class about how to close that distance, how to move forward, how to snap the punch, how to plant your feet, how to connect that next shot. Rounds one through four, we're practicing it here and there. 
rounds five, six, seven, and eight, the entire rounds, I'll have a reaction drill that talks about backing up, you know, close up, you know, get back into your stance, attack. So you're applying this skill that you're talking about. You're snapping forward, you're coming into the combo, and then you're kind of moving back and forth, you know, throughout the rounds. But you have this long-standing reaction drill. You have these long mentalities of application of things that you just did that occur in the last five, six, seven, eight of my rounds. And I, I wanted to kind of talk that fit, fight, and skill too. Like, I know you mentioned the word, James, component. And I think it's important to know that, yes, there's, it's a component, but don't think of it as like, oh, I now have to hit my fit part of this class. It's more of like being cognizant of what style it is. If you're throwing simple combos, four punches at a time, at full-blown 100% power, as you guys know, that's a different style of fitness than if you were to like, okay, guys, push the bags up, throw me jab cross for all three minutes, right? There's an endurance aspect, there's a cardio aspect, there's a hit aspect, you know, that one's my favorite nowadays because you obviously really drive the sweat. And in my opinion, if they're if they're not sweating, you're not even working. Um, and so five, six, seven, eight, man, like I don't leave round eight until I know people, <laughs> they're going to stop when that bell dings. If they still have more to go, I didn't do my job right. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things here when you, when you get to this is, you know, we always talk about retention as a business and, you know, a trainer plays one of the biggest parts in retention. Don't get me wrong. Like being like, oh, well, if you stay longer, maybe I can drop your membership because it's a money issue someone has. Man, no, it's not. It's a motivation issue, right? People don't leave things that they need and have to have, right? I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. If, I mean, I can go on and on with this, but here, here's something I want to talk about is how deep can you really get as a trainer, right? So I'm going to give you an example here of I'm in class and I'm doing class one day and we're doing a defensive movement. We're doing a jab, cross and a roll. And I start noticing that the people in my class have got their hands down. They're lazy. They're not rolling the right way. Right. So my whole next day, um, when I do these defensive movements, my skill component is I'm going to make people roll the right way. Right. And, but, but you have to explain to them why you're making them do this. Right. Someone throws a jab cross and then they roll and their arms are down. Right. Well, here's what I'm going to do as a fighter. If you throw a jab cross at me and you're rolling, that's probably because I'm throwing a left hook at you or a lead hook. Sorry. I got to get these right, Kenny. A lead hook. Right. You're so if I throw a lead you. hook, the guy's rolling. Right. So, so here's my point with this, though. Me watching this happen and I see your hands are down. I'm going to pivot a little bit and I'm going to fire an uppercut while you're rolling and probably clip you in the face because your hands aren't up. And the minute your head comes back up, I'm going to hit you with a left hook. One of the fastest combos you can throw is an uppercut lead hook. Right. So I'm going to see that. So. I'm going to tell my class this as it's going on, and I'm telling them to roll. I'm going to be talking about this the whole time on the mic. I'm going to tell them, I need you to keep your elbows to your body and your hands tight to your face because when you come up, he's throwing that lead hook, and you're going to, we're going to next, combo, next thing we're going to add on to this is we're going to counter him with our own lead hook. Right? So you're teaching them, and they're learning how to do things and the skill reason, the why behind it. Tate has talked about this a long time from the beginning of our podcast series, the why behind it. When people understand the why, they tend to just do it, right? Tell people the why behind it. But I'm not just telling you to roll and you know keep your hands up. There's a real reason behind it. And then we're going to 
apply that, like Kenny just said in the class, we're going to apply why you do it and then how you counter it. So you can get really in-depth with this as a trainer, and, you know, it, it becomes a more advanced class. It becomes a, hey, I'm learning something. I want to go to this guy's class. Um, and, 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 again, that, that's, that's the, 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 you know, skill aspect of this. Remember, you're always learning. That's the coolest thing to me about boxing. You're always learning. Every different trainer you have in front of you, you're teaching people something. They're learning from you. Whether you think about it or not, you really are. So just throw that out there. So, you know, we've got some time here still. And, you know, I want to go back and just, I'm going to run back through these again. I'm going to talk about fight, fit, and skill. What are some ways Tate, Kenny, and Sam, and these are just simple answers I'm looking for is, what are some ways you motivate? How do you motivate? What are some cues or some things you can do to motivate? One thing I love, I can jump in real quick. I, one thing I love what uh, Tate was saying, and I know he does this so well, is is the the interaction and the getting people to push, you know, really push past their uh, their own mental plateaus in those late rounds. So it's really that one-on-one engagement is super important. You know, we're not just yelling combos out from the middle of the room or from the front of the room. We're really getting up to people individually and holding their bag or, or challenging them or racing them during a burnout or even just walking around the bag and, and touching their bag as you walk by it. It's showing... Um, that that one-on-one connection so i love part of the fight aspect of of our call today i think is is that one-on-one engagement is how you get them to dig a little deeper and have that connection with them um and and i think those you know those are some great little tips to use during your classes is is, you know we're not just a talking head in the middle of the room we're getting around to people individually um so that would be a, a nice thing i like about the fight fight aspect so it's how we motivate that's yep. the question. I'm like nice and in-depth thinking about how I motivate. Now I've just realized I, I tend to yell a lot, but I don't think that's actually motivation. I think that's just, uh, you know, my personality playing out. Um, you know, I think making the class personal, you know, we've always talked about that back from, you know, the OGs of this brand, like we're not group fitness, right? Like we're an individual workout in a group setting. So it's important as trainers to remember that how do you make it an individual experience? Like being on the mic, yelling at people, you know, motivating them. It's only face value. You can only go so much with that. Like Sam said, and you know, he's talking about kind of the, that one-on-one grab the bag, you know, have the mitts out, you know, look at your class and look who needs to be called out. Uh, Some of the greatest trainers, you know, know every single member's name in class and that's, shouldn't be because you only have four people in your damn class, by the way. It should be because you have 50 people and you know all of their names. That's the difference. But, you know, I think a lot of times for me, like, I challenge. I walk directly up into their personal space in the middle of class and stand there and stare at them. And, you know, it, it goes past when someone just looks at you up until, like, why are they looking at me? And then I get an eye-to-eye look. And once I really realize they're staring at me and they're like, uh-oh, why is he here? then I can look at them and say, get your damn rear foot down when you throw that cross. All right. You know, I like, for me, it's an accountability thing for them to know. I truly care if they punch right. And I will stop the rest of the class just for this one person to fix it. Now I won't, of course, but it feels like that to a lot of people. It feels like I am looking at every single person all of the time, whether it's 
skill or whether they're slacking or whether they need correction. Uh, I'm constantly analyzing people and then I let them know I am and I catch every single person doing something wrong and they know by name or they know by the fact that I'm standing next to them that, you know, they're in trouble and how to fix it. And on the flip side, all of the same positive things, I'll walk the same person right up, stare at them, wait for them to look at me and I'll say, nice job. That was actually pretty good. I'm going to allow you to tell people I taught you that, but don't tell me, don't, don't tell people I taught you that other thing you did the other day. You know, you tell me learn that <laughs> at I love kickboxing. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, that's me, man. I'm still like personal interaction, you know. Show them what's possible. Like that's what I always like. We it was a challenge from a, from from another podcast is like show them what's possible when you throw it. They will if they don't know what you want them to deliver. Deliver. They need it. Most people are visual learners. Show them what's possible. That ten second that's, first, like we say, ten second star, like that. You got to show them what's possible because then you know you're. I'm framing it like it's never going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. Show them what's possible. Show them, show them that you're willing to go through the grind and you have gone through the grind because then they believe you. They actually believe you, and that's yeah. that's where I try to hit on that motivation is like that belief. And they, they, they'll do it with you. I mean, you know, and, and another thing, and this segments right into, you know, we'll talk about the fit side of thing too, is vocal inflection. If you want people to go hard, bring your voice up. You'll see people automatically start going harder, right? Just the way you use your voice, the way you use the mic is motivation in itself. It's, 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 it's the fight, right? They have to hear you. Right? They have to hear you in your voice, in your inflection. If they hear you ask for more, they'll give you more. But if you, you say, come on, guys, you can do more, they ain't going to do it. you got to tell them, let's go! <laughs> you know, I mean, there's so many aspects to this, but a lot of times it's very, very simple with what you've heard here. So, uh, Sam, you know, it, it had talked about... Look. Yes. You have to believe what you're saying, too. Okay? Because that, like... like Saying the let's go, that is such a common phrase out there. That doesn't mean you're motivating. That just means either, A, you truly didn't know what else to say, and you keep saying the same freaking thing week after week after round after round. And mostly everybody around you is probably like, that's the only thing they know how to say. So you have to figure out if you're that trainer or if you're the trainer that's truly meaning let's go and you actually apply your words to a person and that person actually goes. Yep. It's a big difference, dude. Yep, it's the passion behind it. You know, and that, that rolls right into, you know, the the you know, the the fit side of this. And I and I, I know we've only got about five, six minutes left here, so I want to talk about the fitness side real quick, if anybody else has anything to say, and then we'll jump to the skill section. But then I, I've got Kate, uh, Sam and Kenny have uh have a challenge and a takeaway from you uh from this that that, that they want to explain to you guys real quick. So um really quick on, on the fitness side. You know, is there anything else that you guys can think of uh, to to help people focus on the fitness side? If it's a speed class and you're focused on people, um, you know, high intensity, energy burn, output. If it's endurance, if it's a power building class, is there there any other things we can we can do to kind of make sure that happens? Uh, I mean, for me, it's have a plan. I mean, it's have the plan of actually, if you're going yeah. to focus specifically in a lot of the fitness realm, if you're looking in high intensity styles of combos, you know, make sure that people are applying it. Sometimes I see trainers just blurted out and every, tr- every person in the class is doing their own thing. And that's, that's good to a point, 
But if I want them to stomp, back up, get on their toes, move around, keep dodging, get your head moving, back on, apply that combo right now. And uh, back you up again, right? So you're applying this, like, high-intensity skill style to the class. You can do, you know, many different combos that can apply it, but do you have the motivation going to stop the people when you want them to stop to then apply them when you want to apply, thus creating the high-intensity workout or creating the endurance workout? Make sure your motivation is aligned with the goal of whatever that combo is or that round is and and – if you see people not listening, that's a question of motivation to you, and you have to figure out how to achieve that. Agree. Yeah, high I agree. High-intensity interval training, high-intensity interval training, that is the most effective form of, of cardiovascular workout. I mean, that's science. It's the most effective way to train your body. Now we add a 100-pound heavy bag. How can you add that power with that high-intensity interval training, or how can you add that speed with it using our 100-pound heavy bag? So, I mean, believing in what we're doing and that it's effective, I think, is important. I, I, I see sometimes trainers, they, they get bored, and it's like, why are you getting bored? It's because you're not challenging yourself. You're not believing in what yeah. we're doing. You're not try, taking classes yourself. So believing it and realizing what we're doing is the most effective form of workout out there. Yeah. And, you know, one other thing you hear real quick, and I'm going to turn this right back over to Tate for, uh, you know, his takeaway of this whole thing and a challenge is, you know, on the skill side of things, something I, I just want everybody to focus on is be aware of what's happening in your class, right? You need to use verbal cues to make sure people are extending their punches all the way. They're the right distance from the bag. If they're throwing body shots, are they throwing body shots or are they punching someone in the ankle? Like seeing these things and actually talking about it on the mic is one of the easiest things you can do to correct people in their mind. So, you know, I want to jump over to Tate here real quick. Um, you know, just, you know, Tate, what's, what's a challenge and a takeaway you have from the conversation today? Yeah, absolutely. So this is a challenge to everyone that listened, you know, uh, to this podcast from the trainer to the manager to the franchisee to TBCI. It's don't fall in love with the dream. Don't be that person that falls in love with the dream and is too scared to put in the work or it doesn't take action. We all became a part of this brand because of a dream. And, and really, what are we selling here at Title Boxing Club? We are selling hopes and dreams. Don't be a person that falls in love with the dream and doesn't put in the work. I, I, my challenge is just like when you come to Title Boxing Club the next time, or even if you're at Title Boxing Club when, when, right, when you're listening to this, is have a mentality. Am I putting in the work? Am I, am I truly getting better than the person I was yesterday? Am I doing a little bit more? Am I applying these things? Am I challenging my mind? Um, by doing personal development, there's a way that you can do that every day, and we have to. I mean, you're either growing or dying. I said that a couple of weeks ago. Grow. I love it. Uh, Sam, what do you got for us? Challenge, uh, takeaway. Yeah, I'll keep mine simple. Um, you know, when you're, when you're t teaching your class or you're listening to your teammates teach class, um, try to keep your gaps on the microphone to, to less than five seconds or, or definitely no more than 10 seconds to where there's no – uh, you know, your voice is either being heard, you're, you're crushing the bags, or you're clapping. Something where you're making energy in the room. Um, at, you know, if there's long pauses, then uh, that starts to, to, the energy starts to die, and that affects the, the, the whole, you know, the fitness aspect of the entire class. So, so try to keep your gaps to less than five, I, uh, ideally five or no more than 10 seconds of, of no uh, energy on the microphone. Great. I love it. Uh, Kenny, what's your, your challenge takeaway for today? 
Uh, it's going to be specific to running a class. So if you listen to this podcast, you're going to train a class tomorrow, today, whatever it is, run a distance class. Okay. Stop running a class and it's focused around random combos. You write down on a piece of paper. Your, your challenge is to run a distance class, which means in the warm up, you're going to have to teach people how to move properly in and out. You're going to have to start to teach them ways to, to quickly do that and be efficient. You're going to have to teach them where their hands need to be while they do it. Your combos are really going to need to develop, be developed and focus on staying outside and moving in and then maybe starting inside and moving out. And the better your people are, maybe you can get a combo where you start out, move in, work the body, and move out safely, right? Throwing a proper jab, moving in the proper direction, knowing how to actually apply distance into the rounds. And I want you to use that as the theme for your class. And then let the combos fill in later. But the distance is what matters in this class, and that's what you have to get your members to, to care about. There it is, folks. <laughs> Those are your challenges <laughs> and your takeaways from today. Um, you know, fight, fit, skill. Think about our workout. That is such an important thing that we can have all three of those components, right, in every round in the whole class from the minute they start to the minute they end. That is very fulfilling. That creates a member that just – they have the best workout ever, but it's not just the workout, it's the experience and everything that they go through, right? So, you know, if you need to re-listen to this, re-listen to the podcast again. That's why we're podcasts and they're there for you. We, uh, we want you to focus on these three aspects. And, and something as small as, like Sam says, is keeping your, your, the times you're quiet on the mic to five seconds plays such a big, big role in, in your members' workout experience. So, I thank everybody for hopping on the call today. We were going to go into core on our next podcast. And thanks to you guys. Hey, listen, thanks for, for sending us questions, for sending us emails. Um, we're reading some of the things you say. And it, it, you guys are asking for what combos do I throw? How, what do I do if I throw a, a, you know, a, this combo, what's another combo that would go behind it that would make it flow? Is, is this right? Is this wrong? So next week, we are going to talk about combos. What combos do you use in class? When you get to a point and you don't know what else to do, where do you go from there? How do we create new combos? And like Kenny said, a lot of times it's not a new combo. It's just understanding how combos flow together to, to get people to understand and feel like it's a completely different workout from the one you did before. So stay tuned to next week. Next week's going to be a fun one. I'm going to probably be talking a lot on that one because I've got a lot of insight and things I want to say. But, uh, Appreciate everybody hopping in today. Kenny, Tate, Sam, as always, thank you guys. And, uh, you know, we will uh, we'll see you next week. Woo! Thanks, everybody. <laughs>